Welcome to the Sudden Victory Podcast presented by Wide Right Natty Light. I'm Sam Phillips here with Jacob England to talk about your CKLV champion Cyclones. What a weekend for the clones, Jacob. I am thoroughly stoked. I don't know about you, Sam, but I am thoroughly stoked about this Iowa State team, even more than what I was before. Yeah, what a performance. We were talking just before the show here. They won this thing in a loaded field that we talked about last week without everything going right. David Carr did not win the tournament. Kyson Tarakina did not play. He only won one match. Uh, Cody Chittum did not place. We thought Iowa State needed those guys to make a run, but there were enough people that stepped up, uh, like your Will Felkamp's making the finals, your Evan Frost making the finals, uh, your younger Bastido winning the damn thing. So it was an incredible team performance. There are seven placers. Nobody else had seven placers, three finalists. Nobody else had three finalists. Yeah. It's, uh, it's quite a feat that what Iowa state did. And, you know, I, man, I don't want to talk way too much, but I felt like I had some airtime, you know, without going into a plane. I don't know about you. <laughs> yeah, I was feeling real good about this tournament win. Iowa State, uh, apparently it's their fifth time winning it. First time since 96, 97 season. The match notes they put out beforehand said that they had never won it. So, uh, they must have done some digging. Maybe it was called something else in the past, but, uh, huge Las Vegas tournament, probably the toughest one ever. And Iowa State gets the dub. So, I got to be excited about that as a Cyclone fan. Let's start off. Let's just go wait by wait through this because there's so much to talk about. I don't want to miss anything. Uh, starting with 125, not Kaysen Terkina's best performance where he's at compared to where he was uh, two weeks ago going into that Iowa duel is a world away. But, uh, you know, I just hope he can get it back on track. He starts out with a pin over Northwestern and then gets beat by Nico Provo, who was ranked 30th at the time. But that dude won the whole damn tournament and is ranked number one right now. So it's not losing 12 five. You never want that, right, Jacob? But it's not no. the worst loss in the world. No, I mean, especially afterwards. I mean, would you want to do better? Yeah, absolutely. Every, every wrestler wants to do better, but you know, for him to go, uh, pro vote and beat Matt Ramos and go and win the whole doggone thing. Uh, I mean, what, what can you say after that? It's like, well, I guess, I, I guess I lost to a good guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then it went to the backside and Kyson Tarakina lost to a not that good guy in Sandoval of Cal State Bakersfield. Uh, Tarakina gives up the takedown in the first period and then gets a late takedown, clutched up for the takedown in the third period. But I think he kind of, spent all his uh gas on that last burst in the third period to get that takedown and ends up giving up the takedown pretty quickly there in sudden victory. Uh honestly seemed pretty reminiscent of that uh Eshaman Real Woods match and uh tough tournament for Kaysen Tarakina. We knew some guys were gonna take some uh losses, but that's probably the worst loss an Iowa State wrestler t- has taken this season. Yeah, I just you know uh- Kyson has his ups and he has his downs and uh, unfortunately in this tournament he had he's going he has his downs right now so yeah. um it, it, he shouldn't be losing to competition like this I don't know what's going inside his head or what's going on with his world but you know he was 
defeat the number five in the nation and then come back the next couple of weeks and just lose some duds. And it's just like, oh, man, if he if his mind was straight and on track and he had the confidence like he did a couple of weeks ago, it, I think it'd be a different game. But unfortunately, right. he's just went off track. Yeah, hopefully he can get back on track. The guy who took second in this bracket, Brett Unger of Cornell, is someone that we are going to see at the collegiate duels here in Nashville in a couple of weeks. So uh we're not going to preview those today, but there's some matchups we saw and some guys like Cornell was in these brackets. So uh we'll call it out a little bit as we go through. 133, your runner up there, Evan Frost for the clones, the redshirt freshman. Had a nice little run in the bracket. Uh, you know, you know, didn't get as many big time shots at wins as he would have with Vito Rujao not wrestling. Dayton Fix was a late scratch. So, uh, Kyarine from NC State who beat Frost in the finals was the, ended up being the only All American in the bracket. But, and that bottom half of the bracket kind of fell apart, but there's nothing you can do about that if you're Evan Frost. Uh, the three seed got upset by Oklahoma State backup. So, and then that guy got beat by a freshman from Stanford who's currently ranked 14th. So he still beat good kids. They just necessarily didn't have a uh, high resume or high name value at the time. Well, and you know, if you go and look at the rankings right now with Evan Frost, he's high up there now. They, they put a lot of respect into his name after this tournament. It was yeah. no, no joke. So, uh, I got to see a little glimpses of it and Evan just looks dominant from start to finish. It just, that man, when he goes on the mat, he means business. And unfortunately at the end, he, you know, he did give some takedowns up and uh, it, maybe that doesn't look the greatest, but you know, against an all American, I'll take that for a red shirt freshman. And you want to talk about growth from Evan Frost beginning of last season, he loses two matches to Julian Farber of UNI by major in tech fall by the end of last season, or even by December of last season, he turned that around into a win. And then at this tournament, he turned it into a major decision, 14 to three. So Evan Frost, I love his trajectory there. Uh, you know, we talked about maybe he didn't get any of the all Americans to wrestle against, but he goes uh, first round five Oh, second round 14, three major decision. Uh, quarterfinals, 16-3 major decision. Semifinals takes out the stud freshman for Stanford 2-1 to uh, to reach that finals matchup. So um, pretty outstanding tournament for Evan Frost. Yeah, I'm, I'm, for me, I'm not too worried about him whatsoever. I think especially the growth that he'll have. I mean, being, I know it's, he's two years into it, but with the coaching staff that we have and the style that he has, he is going to absolutely succeed in this group. Yeah, I completely agree. 141, Anthony Etcheman Dia takes seventh place, which doesn't sound that great, but it was a very tough 141 pound bracket. And if you look at the guys he beat, it's super encouraging. Uh, gets a win over Long Island in the first round and then takes out a national qualifier from Oregon State, pins him. In the first period in that second round matchup, his quarterfinals match, he took on Lachlan McNeil of North Carolina. And man, that was a great match, Jacob. I actually got to see that match, you know, in between doing girls practice and going to work and then going back to girls practice. Um, I was getting ready, going, you know, for practice. And 
I saw that match and McNeil even acknowledged it after because it was that tight. Like it was tight match. It one takedown would win it and McNeil got it. And and he was like wagging his finger at the end because he knew that it could have switched either way. So Echemendia unfortunately got the loss on that, but that was a awesome, awesome match. Yeah. I mean Echemendia goes out there and is taking on a guy who got fourth in the country last season and they split. They each get three takedowns. The only difference there is McNeil's able to escape, get his escapes. So I uh, guess that three point victory, whereas Echemendia was ridden out at the end of periods, which makes it tough. That's, you know, something that's the one concern we have with Anthony Echemendia is his mat game. Uh, those takedowns are going to keep you in matches and put you in positions to wit- beat those top four guys. If you can compete in the mat game. I will agree with you on that, but I also know that this coaching staff has done wonders to younger Bastida. And now he's weighing 230. He was doing it with 197 pounders and now he's doing it with 230 with no, no problem. He gets out of it pretty good. So yes, it is a concern, but I know this coaching staff and Etchmandia is strong enough. He just needs to learn how to get out of it. Yeah, that's true. So on the backside, Echemendia takes out a ranked Jason Miranda from Stanford. Uh, he does get beat by Kale Happel there in the consolation quarterfinals. Man, I am excited to see that one in the dual meet in Hilton later this season, but, uh, you know, tough gives up a couple of takedowns and is not able to get away there. Bounces right back though in that seventh place match. Anthony Echemendia gets a, the major decision over Vince Cornella. And we talked about it last week, how uh Casey Swiderski was losing big to Cornella at NCAAs last year and got the, um got the uh cement mixer for the win. Mm-hmm. So he, if, if Anthony Etchemendia is not even close to losing that match. I mean, in fact, he went takedown, takedown, four near fall in the first period. He's crushing this dude. That is a great sign for Anthony Etchemendia. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I'm going to go off on a tangent here real quick. I just, like, if you think about it, Casey Swiderski was having trouble with that same dude last year. It took a, a cement mixer to win that that match. And now Etchemendia absolutely put, you know, pours the coals on, on that guy. Yeah. And, and, and you'll see in the next bracket, I mean, Casey Swiderski absolutely just went out, you know, as fast as he could and as hard as he could. And he was going against some tough guys. So... A testament to the coaching staff for working on these dudes because they are dudes right now. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. It's It's been really fun. In the style they wrestle and the way they compete, just to get after it is I really actually, fun to watch. I actually talked to one of the guys that, you know, uh, used to watch me wrestle, and he, he watches Iowa wrestling. Actually, he's the head coach for Winterset. Okay. And uh he actually says that Iowa State now wrestles like the old style of Iowa and Iowa wrestles the old style of I- Iowa State. And the way that is is Iowa State is there to score. They are there to make get points. And Iowa is now the one that is like get the points and hold off. So like these have been super entertaining matches just because 
Iowa State is just there to score. They're there to win, and they're going to pile the points on. So it, these matches have been super exciting. Yeah, you can definitely see that Brent Metcalf influence because uh, especially through these middleweights with Swiderski now being more of a volume attacker, Chittam always lets it fly. Uh, and then, of course, you have David Carr. And then you throw an MJ guy, Tom, throwing the kitchen sink at dudes. It's and Will <laughs> Bellcamp throwing the kitchen sink at dudes. It's really fun to watch. Uh, 149. We had Casey Swiderski come in as the 10 seed. He takes out Jaden Scott of North Carolina, who has found his way into the rankings because he had a good tournament, but Swiderski took him out in the first round. Uh, and then he takes out Stanford's Jaden Abbas. That is a huge win. Uh, Abbas, an all American in the past for Stanford. And Swiderski gave up a seven point move in this match and still won the dang match. Uh, and that's Iowa State. That was their bang of existence in the round of 16. Swiderski gives up a seven point move to Abbas, comes back to win. Uh, Chittum gives up a seven point move to Cardenas, comes back and falls short, which we'll talk about. And then MJ Gaitan gave up a seven point move to Northwestern and came back to win the match. So, uh, these young guys letting it rip. Sometimes you're going to have some mistakes like that. And, early in the season against tough competition. I think it's, uh, you know, of course you'd rather have it now than later in the season. Yes. The other thing that I've noticed is like, I've been screaming off the top of the mountains. Their conditioning is just absolutely insane. Like if you think about it, that seven point move, they had to fight off the bottom and then now you have to catch up seven points. That's insane. And not to mention, you take them down and give them back up. That's only two extra points. So, I mean, you're going to have to do four or five takedowns or some back points or something like that. That wears a person out. And at the end of the match, Casey Swiderski was still going after it. It was insane. Yeah. He got two third period takedowns. And like you mentioned, he got off his back, gets the escape with 20 seconds, seven seconds left in the period. And eight seconds later, he gets another takedown. So he's already cutting into that lead and not just thinking about licking his wounds. Yeah, I I love the the thought process that these men are going through. It's just like, well, you you got seven points on me. Guess what? I'm gonna come back with a vengeance. You know, that's the cool part about them. They it's almost like they have a short term memory. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Swiderski in the quarterfinals saw uh, Kyle Parko, who I think was ranked like number three at the time, uh, loses that one four to two. Parko is a really solid uh, counter wrestler, so. Uh, hopefully the staff has a good game plan for that in that dual meet later this season. Uh, then you get to the backside where Swiderski had himself a nice little run of just beating dudes up, frankly. Major decision over Michigan's uh, Dylan Gilcher. And then he gets a major decision over Wyoming's Gabe Willichel. Uh, on the, in the Conti semis, uh, dropped a really close match to Dylan D'Amelio of Ohio state, a returning all American. And I would love to see that one again in March because uh, there, that was 13 to 10. There are a lot of points in that match and these guys were pushing the pace. Yeah. I, I'm really excited to see how, you know, Swiderski builds up this year. It doesn't look like he's going to have his crashes like he did last year. It just looks like he's, he's mentally more, how can I say it? He's better in the game right now. He, he's mentally better in the game right now. Yeah, that's a great point, Jacob. He looks, he seems like he's wrestling much more mature. Well, he doesn't get upset as much. As you can tell, if he gets taken down, he gets right back up and then yeah. goes right at, back after him. 
Yep. He's not thinking about giving up the takedown. He's thinking about the next point. Correct. And then, uh, that fifth place match for Casey Swiderski, he takes out Nash Singleton of Oregon State 13 to four. So lots of bonus points from Swiderski and that came into play in the team race. I mean, uh, Iowa State only won this thing by five points. So, uh, each one of those majors was about one crucial point. Yeah. That's big stuff from Casey Swiderski there. Uh, 157. Uh, man, this was a, this was just a tough bracket, man. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, good thing that Chittum was wrestling in this because he will learn so much, and I think he has already. And I could see it when he was doing his his wrestling in the you know championship bracket and the constellations bracket, you know. And this is good film for the staff to come back and say, "Okay, Chittum, you're doing really good here, but." you know, here's some issues I see. Let's shorten that up and let's, you know, get back after it. Yeah, certainly. Um, so Chittum scoreless first period in the round of 16 against Daniel Cardenas, uh, round of 12 guy for Stanford and Chittum gives up a takedown and four near fall kind of tried to do like an injury guy, Tan will fell camp move and just ended up on his back there. Didn't work out for him. And you're down seven, one at that point. That's a tough, uh, that puts you in a tough hole for the third period and it's the other guy's choice. So he was down eight, one and got it back to nine, eight. Yeah, that's the situation where you just are really hoping to see that match again. We don't see Stanford on our schedule, uh, for the rest of the year until NCAA tournament, but Daniel Cardenas had himself a great tournament. And I think Cody Chittum was right there with him. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I think he, like I said, some, just some freshman moves, letting it rip. Like you said, you know, I think the staff said, do what you can do, do the best you can do, but like, just let it go. Don't think about a single thing. And we saw some crazy cool wrestling. going on. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Oh, and that's the thing I love about flow. Uh, what they do that ESPN does not do ESPN. If I want to watch a match from the NCAA tournament last year, I wouldn't even know where to start. It's such a pain in the ass flow. I go to the bracket. I click on the match I want to watch and there's a play button and I hit that play button and I can watch it. Yeah. It is so nice. So like, especially in a tournament like this, where it was impossible to see everything, um, not only with Iowa state wrestlers, but any other matches we wanted to see, then you can just go back and be like, Oh, Hey, this is who Iowa State wrestles next round. How'd they win that last match? Oh, that was pretty interesting. I think we got this one or, Oh, we're going to have to look out for this. Not like, uh, not like it makes any difference to us, but I enjoy doing that as a fan, knowing a little bit about the wrestler, the other wrestler coming in. Absolutely. So, uh, Chittam on the backside, tough turnaround there in that first session after that loss, he bounces back and tech falls the Citadel wrestler. And then he takes on Bryce Andonian from Virginia tech. And Andonian is the most hot and cold wrestler in the country because he gets the pin over Cody Chittum and looks amazing. He's a, like a three-time All-American looks absolutely amazing, but had lost to another freshman, Meyer Shapiro of Cornell earlier in the tournament and Chittum and Shapiro actually did not even place uh, another freshman for you and I, Ryder Downey reached the quarterfinals and did not place. So some really good young talent in this bracket uh, that's going to be on Iowa state schedule. 
but it's 157 is a wild weight this year. It's the wild west out there. Well, all I can say for Chittam is uh, it's a uh, time. This is a big time to grow up because <laughs> you got some tough, tough people on your schedule. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, he's going to get more and more opportunities. So, and they're not always going to, I mean, he lost to Cardenas who got fifth in this bracket and is looking like an all American caliber wrestler and Indonian who is an all American. So uh, he's going to have some opportunities of that caliber or a little bit below uh, coming up on the schedule here really soon, actually. Yeah. 165, man, this, I don't know how to feel about this because David Carr came in wrestling so well, the way he whooped up on Mikey Caliendo goes out there in tech falls, Evan Yant of you and I in the first round, that would be uh, the younger brother of the Yant that he typically wrestles from you and I, that one graduated. Then he gets the, another tech fall over app States, Will Miller, who is a national qualifier type guy and major decision over Ohio's Garrett Thompson. Garrett Thompson pinned West Virginia's Peyton Hall, who, uh, David Carr has had close matches within the past. So for Carr to get the major over Thompson was a sneaky, really, really good win. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess what I would think is, is yeah, these competitions, these things, I, I would expect him to whip on those guys just because he's David Carr. But yeah, Ramirez, this has been a, tight match ever since the last time they went against each other. I mean, if you thought about it, wasn't it seven to five or something like that? Uh, I think it was 10, five, but we talked about it last week. Uh, Ramirez is one of the few guys that have ever taken David Carr down. Like I think yeah. last season, I, last season to I me, think it was just Ramirez and Keegan O'Toole. Yeah. And, you know, to me, if there was going to be a letdown, I would rather it be in this tournament yeah, and, and figure something out, you know, because this is just the beginning of the year. Especially if you tell me Iowa State still wins the damn thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> you know, is it is it disappointing? Absolutely. freaking Like, it's like, man, come on. Like, what's going on with you, David? But in reality, maybe, you know, Ramirez had a great game plan for yeah, David. And, well, and that's what we saw the first time they wrestled is Ramirez got his takedown through a scramble. So, and then what happens here? He gets his takedown and a scramble. So going into that dual meet against Cornell, then you're making a game plan for David Carr. You got to be thinking, hey, how are we going to win these scrambles or how are we going to avoid them and finish cleanly? Because uh, David Carr is better at scrambling than most people, but Julian Ramirez is uh, stylistically just one of those guys that can go with him. Yeah, I if I was coach, I mean, here here's Coach P starting. But like if I was coach, you can't eliminate the scrambles. It's always there's always going to be a scramble somehow. How can you limit the actions taken? That's where I would come in and be like, okay, Ramirez likes to twist this way or do something this way or you know something like that. How can we eliminate that or? counter that so that he cannot do that. That's where I would be if I was uh, Kevin Dresser and and St. John and all, all these guys that are sitting in that coaching room saying, okay, we know a weakness. Now, how can we prevent that from happening again? Yeah, that's a great point. Even 
guys that are really good scramblers have their tendencies. And so you can figure out what they like to do and uh, push them into other situations. That would be great, especially when you have all the tools that David Carr has. Uh, Carr did bounce back nice in the consolation bracket uh, after only his second regular season loss ever. Um, his other two losses in his career were at the NCAA tournament. Uh, the first one was also in the CKLV finals against Ryan Deacon in 2020, the year that the tournament got canceled. So uh, just a not so fun fact for all you Cyclone wrestling history buffs out there. But Carr gets dropped into the consolation semifinals there. Uh, man, that had to be like an hour after the semifinals, not a long turnaround time. And he was taking on Hunter Garvin, who's actually an Iowa City West kid. And Carr gets the tech fall there shortly into the second period. Uh, frankly, didn't really look like he wanted to be there, but he knew he had to be there for the team. And then the night session came around and David Carr gets that 3-1 win over Cam Amin. Uh, Cam Amin, a very stingy, also a three-time All-American for Michigan. So uh, a lot of people had that picked as the final, but we got it in the third place match and David Carr gets it done. Yeah. And uh, you know what? Good for him to continue to bounce back and get after it. Maybe you don't want to be there, but like you said, being for your team is very important. And I think he knew that. So good for him. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you, you know, David Carr didn't get a takedown in that third place match, but he, uh, was clearly working in neutral. He got a point for stalling, uh, in the one morning in the first period from neutral. And then he gets his escape in the second and gets that second stall call there. So he's pushing the pace and that's, you know, with the new system in college wrestling, they do reward that if you're pushing for takedowns in the neutral position and your opponent is just on the defense and then puts on a really tough ride in the third period there. Uh, Amin didn't get out to the last 10 or 15 seconds or so. So David Carr gets that riding time point two to make it three to one and really seal up this match. And that was huge for the team race to get those points. Absolutely. You know, uh, it's a it, it's a huge difference from third to fourth place. I mean, that's a couple points. Well, a couple points. If if things didn't swing the right way, all of a sudden you go from first to third. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Iowa State needed all they could in this one, and they got what they they got points out of David Carr without him being a champion there, uh, like they would have expected. Yeah. Good for him. Good for him for pushing past that. Sometimes it's hard to, especially you know that you're supposed to win it, and all of a sudden somebody knocks you off. Like you, you don't have that tendency to want to try anymore. But you know, pushing through that is even tougher than you know going against a tough match. And that's what he does. That's what we've seen. You know, we saw it at nationals the year he was after he won it, where he got upset in like the second round, and he came back and won like seven matches in a row. The dude is mm-hmm. just a backside warrior and coaches preach that all the time, but a lot of collegiate coaches don't practice it. David Carr goes out there and wins the damn matches, even when he could have a letdown match like a lot of wrestlers do or not even well, show up like a lot of wrestlers do. And that's, a, that's, that's called a leader. I mean, David Carr is the leader of this group. Well, what happens when you lose? Well, you don't give up and just lay on your back and call it quits. You get out there and you win the whole damn thing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, 174, MJ Gaetan, he came in as the sixth seed and finishes eighth, which is a bit of a disappointment, uh, but he picked up some bonus points along the way. He gets the first period pin over Long Island in the first round. Then he gets a 15-10 uh, 
uh, comeback win over Northwestern there in the round of 16. Um, really dominated that match aside from pulling the kid on top of him for a seven point move because MJ Gaetan had one, two, uh, three takedowns and then he had a three point near fall as well. Um, mm-hmm. to match a couple of escapes so, and a riding time point. So, uh, really poured it on there. And I would, you know, it's a good thing Iowa State didn't need those bonus points in the end. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, he drops his quarterfinal match to the eventual champion, eventual champion, Kay DeVos, uh, Des Moines Metro kid who is at South Dakota State now. And he had himself a heck of a tournament. That match is going to be fun to watch at the Big 12 tournament down in Tulsa later this season, but it was all Kay DeVos 10 to 2 in that one. Um, and then on the backside, MJ Gaetan actually gets a medical forfeit in that blood round match, uh, which is interesting. I'm not sure how they will count that when it comes to NCAA seeding because the guy who medically forfeited to him is Shane Griffith, uh, multi-time All-American, uh, has wrestled David Carr many times, won the national title a couple years ago, now wrestles for Michigan. And uh, the way collegiate wrestling rules work this year is – if you medical forfeit out of a tournament, the first one counts as a loss on your record. And that was Shane Griffith's first loss. I do not know if it counts as a loss to MJ Gaetan, which would mean like, Hey, if MJ Gaetan is, uh, like a fringe 20 seed, fringe 15 seed, then does he have that in his back pocket? Like, Hey, I technically have a win over. All American Shane Griffith. I don't know. That's a that's interesting. It'd sure be nice to have, wouldn't it, Jacob? Oh, dude, that'd be like the the pocket ace in your in your side. You know, you you can go. Well, you see here, I have Shane Griffith. One of like, one of us one of us stepped on the mat for that match, and one of us did not. Yeah, and then you can say if he was he was man enough, he would have stepped on the mat. <laughs> yeah, I I get injuries happening, guys finished matches and stuff, but it's interesting to see Griffith come off a win and then medical forfeit. Um, just there's so many weird situations with that stuff, but yeah, anyway, for sure. From there, MJ Gaetan, uh, drops a match to Austin Murphy of Campbell, 10 to five, gave up a few takedowns in that one and just couldn't come back from it, which, uh, you know, that's a guy I would hope, would have hoped that MJ Gaetan beats. And then he drops a, a close match, 11 to eight to, Sanford's freshman Lorenzo Norman. Man, Sanford had a heck of a tournament with their young guys. Yes, they did. And this Lorenzo Norman, uh, just he took out Shane Griffith in the second round, which is kind of funny because it's a Stanford guy taking out a Stanford transfer. <laughs> but then that Stanford transfer also is the reason Stanford still has a program. So there's some uh inception like uh storylines in that one. Right. But that was a, another high scoring match. The guys traded takedowns a lot, but at the end of the day, it was Lorenzo Norman coming up with one more takedown than MJ Gaetan. And you can't lose the takedown battle unless you're planning on racking up a bunch of back points with today's rule set. Yeah. 
I've been noticing just a touch. This is just a touch. I, I want to see if this continues, but MJ tends to have a slow first period and then starts mm-hmm. pouring it on in the second and third period. I wonder if the coaching staff will shore that up and say, look, MJ, <laughs> if you're going to have a f- slow first period, don't be giving a takedown or two yeah. because you're always on catch mode. There's, there's got, there's ways to uh, wear guys out without giving up points. Yeah. We don't we don't need you to turn on the jets when you're six and behind six and one or six and two. Yeah. It'd be nice to do it from three one or zero zero. Zero zero. I would say zero zero. if I was coach, I'd be like, You're not giving up another takedown in the first period. Like zero zero, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know what you because he's such a dynamic wrestler. You don't want to hamper that, and you don't want to uh, you know take away his high flying ability for bonus points. But it's also it's costing him some matches. So well, or it's, he, or it's making it harder to win matches. Well, you know just as well as I do, his type of wrestling is a dangerous type of wrestling if he gets caught in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so he's been caught. In a, couple times in the wrong way. So I don't know if the the coaching staff goes, Hey, you know, unless you have a for sure shot, like kind of step away from those moves for a tad bit, try to like work your takedowns. He's a fantastic takedowner. Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. In that, in that, uh, going back to the Iowa duel and throughout this tournament, it's like, dude, you have a really good single leg. You should be shooting that way more than this funk stuff. Yeah. Stay away from, I I wonder if they're going to try to push just, not not like completely get rid of it, but more like, hey, you're been taking down really good. Why don't we work more on like the single legs rather than like getting hook uh, upper hook or uh, uh, you know hooking people and trying to throw them? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I guess we'll just have to see how that one plays out for the rest of the season. Uh, yeah. He has progressed since last season, so uh, hopefully it keeps moving that way. But uh, on to 184, Will Felkamp, what a terrific bounce back tournament for the Cyclone uh, at 184. A bit of a rocky start, only won his first match over Long Island 7-5. to And uh, if you're saying to yourself, I did not know there was a college Long Islander, or I did not know they had a wrestling (laughs) program, uh, it's a newer one. And you don't want to be wrestling 7-5 matches against newer programs, (laughs) but... uh, it did not hinder Will Feldkamp in this tournament. That is no. a crazy match. Uh, that first one, he basically won because he got two stalling points in the first period. But then he bounces back against a ranked David Key and Tech falls the dude. Just completely whoops up on him from start to finish. Uh, you know, racking up takedowns and back points. And then this quarterfinal was electric, Jacob. Against yeah. Trey Munoz, Oregon State. Uh, okay. Can I say something? First, I just want to say Trey Munoz is a guy who beat Marcus Coleman last season. Okay, mm-hmm. Go for it. What in the heck is going on with Trey Munoz? Like, <laughs> seriously, I bet he's like, okay. So Iowa State pinned Will Field Camp last year. So I should be okay. And then Field Camp just comes out and absolutely just Dicks him like how 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 do you react to that? You like get up and go, what just happened to me? Especially like the book is out on Will Feldkamp. People have to know what he's going to try to do, right? Like 
But he's so good at it. Yeah. You can't stop it. Uh, it's, or it's very difficult to stop, uh, especially if you're trying to score. And Will Feldkamp gets his trademark elevator, I guess I would call it. I haven't heard what he calls it. Everyone, uh, does a lot of people do a variation of that move and they all like to call it something different, but, uh, we'll call it an elevator where the guy shoots in and Feldkamp gets them to head outside. Sometimes they start head outside, but sometimes he'll throw the head, head outside and, uh, sort of pull them up and get them super extended before he drops back and almost pile drives them into the mat and flips them over. And then from there, he's got their head secured and they can't even really bridge or anything. Uh, it's a super fun move when it works. And it worked here on your two seed Trey Munoz to put Will Feldkamp into the semifinals in high fashion. I just, I, I'm wondering when he was midair, like, Oh, yeah. yeah. There's, there's a point where like, ah, I got this beat. He's not getting it. He's not getting it. And then there's a point where like, oh shit, I am screwed. <laughs> you just sit in midair. Huh. Uh, interesting predicament we have right here. <laughs> I mean, well, and that's, that's the other thing. Some guys just love shooting on legs so much where if they know they have to be a little bit pickier, they'll, they'll remember that for that first shot. They'll be like, okay, I got to be really careful about where I leave my head on this one. I got to turn the corner quick or something like that, but you get them into the match a little bit. Like for this match, Munoz had all Munoz had already had a takedown. Uh, it was that second one where Feldkamp got him with this. And it was like, you know, you just, he, Munoz is probably thinking, you know, leg, 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 let's get that leg score, a takedown, score, a takedown. And then it's like, Oh, I forgot about the scouting report. <laughs> you can just see flashbacks of him looking at the scouting report saying he won't do this to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it's like, Oh wow. That was really easy to get on the leg at that time. It's almost like he wants me here. <laughs> it almost like feels like he baited me for this. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but then Wolf Elkamp was really solid in his semifinal match. Gets the 10 0 major on Sam Wolf of Air Force, who himself had taken out two All Americans on the way to that semifinal bout. So that is a really good win for Will Feldkamp. And then, uh, takes the loss to you and I's Parker Kekaisen. Uh, Kekaisen is just incredible. I, he's a, he's- Above all, he's obviously a Cyclone Slayer because of what he's done to Iowa State the past couple of years. But frankly, he's a Nation Slayer. Like, dude, he's, he's a different beast. He's definitely my pick to win one eighty four this year. Oh, seriously, I don't know who could take him out. Really, like, there's maybe maybe one person that might get him, but like the the motor that man has i wish i had like i heard i heard someone say parker kikaisen wrestles like every wrestling coach wants you to wrestle oh dude seriously <laughs> like he just hand fight hand fight hand fight shoot hand fight shoot hand fight shoot like he just goes for 7 minutes it's nuts yeah he does not like he does not slow down like it could be 6 minutes into the match and he's at the same speed which is like mach 5 yeah, as he was at the beginning of the match, and and you can tell the wrestlers that wrestled him for the full seven minutes, they're sweating, they're absolutely drenched because for their life. Yeah, because they're like, how do I stop this man? And this man goes, "Now nah, I'm Parker Kikaisen. You're done. Like, just lay down." Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, uh, 
all in all, back to Will Feldkamp, he had a really good tournament. And that he took a little drop in the rankings after last week, but flow, I think it was actually put him back up to number three, which would be incredible for Iowa State's uh, team hopes if Will Feldkamp can do that and continue to rack up bonus points along the way uh, there at 184 for the Cyclones. I think uh, the Iowa duel, I think it almost looked like he had nerves. There was some type of nerves that happened yeah. there. I, he, he he did not look like the same world field uh, fell camp that he did at this tournament. So, yeah, I agree. He got it out of his system and now he was just ready to let it rip for. Absolutely. Uh, 197 Julian Broderson had a tough tournament, uh, but he did pick up a couple bonus points along the way, which helped Iowa state. He gets that tech fall first round over Harvard and then takes the loss to Oklahoma State's Luke Serber in the round of 16. And uh, that first session, if you lost, you were bouncing back quick. And Julian Broderson comes back and bounces back. Uh, where is he at in the bracket here? He had a quick pin. seven. Uh, yeah, it was 40 seconds. Yeah, 40 second pin there for Broderson. And he was already up seven nothing on uh, Star Ohio. So. You love to see Broderson letting it rip. That's when we think that he's at his best. I mean, we talk about it all the time, Jacob. Julian Broderson, we just want to see him go. Yeah, I I, I really, really think that if he just would let go of the fears that he has or whatever he has, nervousness, confidence, you know, letting that confidence just flow out of his veins, he would he he would be in the top 15, top 10. But instead, he gets that fear inside of him, and it doesn't do anything. Yeah, it keeps guys in matches and um, just kind of hinders himself, it looks like. Uh, if he followed that up, was beaten by you and I's Wyatt Volker. So uh, Volker, a ranked guy, but, you know, that's he's not super highly ranked. So uh, Julian Broderson wanted that win for sure. Um, but Broderson's going to have some things to figure out there at 197 to improve his standing and to reach the national tournament. Yeah. He, he needs, I think coaching staff just needs to figure something out. Like you've been to 174. Now you're at 197. Like you've built the muscle, you've done the work you were on, you know, you've done all these accolades. Now it's time to really get out there and do it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, heavyweight on to talking about your big 12 wrestler of the week. Younger Bastida with a phenomenal tournament to win this thing. He goes tech fall over Peter Ming of Stanford, uh, 11-4 win over Jack Jessen of Northwestern. Uh, fun fact about Jack Jessen, he, I don't think he's currently in the rankings, but he was the last person to beat, uh, I want to say it was Greg Kirkfleet, the current number one. Jack Jessen beat him in high school. I'm pretty sure is what I heard, what they were talking about. Uh, so it's still a solid wrestler and younger would have had the major, but things got chippy and younger kind of threw a headbutt at the end of that match. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. Another, another point where I, another spot where I'm glad we didn't need that major decision in one more team point for the win. Right. No kidding. Uh, but then, Oh, what a, what a way to end the quarterfinals there with younger Bastido major decision, getting the major decision over Nick Feldman of Ohio State. Nick Feldman is a very, very highly rated recruit, and Ohio State is super pumped about him. So for Bastida to hit that uh, shin wizard defense on Feldman's single leg, 
back to back to back and just completely, you know, utter him. Uh, it was like a hapless attack. It was almost like a three stooges thing. Uh, or something you would do like, <laughs> like it, like if I went in to train with some fifth graders and, you know, we just went live and they're, they just worked on single legs that night, then I would do that. <laughs> he just made him look like a kid. Uh, and you know, it's so funny is that they put it on flow wrestling on Twitter. And so you saw it over yeah. and over and over again. <laughs> I mean, I bet. Feldman or Feldman was just like, oh, you gotta be kidding me. Why did you put that on there? Yeah, that's a, that's a tough look. Um, and then Bastida just keeps it rolling semifinals. He gets, uh, Grady Grease of Navy, who's the, who was the number 10 guy in the country and Bastida tech falls him in the second period. Oh my gosh. This man, this man, this is the wait for him. I really like, uh, oh, he, yeah answered so many questions this week. And I know we were talking about how we wanted to see him against more high level competition. And there's only two guys that were possible above Lucas Davison of Michigan and younger Bastido. Uh, the score is five, three, but it did not feel like a five, three match watching it. No, we need to have this conversation. Now we had this conversation before starting this podcast. When he lifted that guy up. And by the way, it was not like a curl. It was literally him straight arming him up into his shoulders and then slamming him back down to the mat. When he put that man back down to the mat and Davison went and grabbed him, he did not have enough reaction time. That should have been three points right there. You're you're saying Davison did not react quick enough. That That was a way generous use of the term reaction time. See, and I, I want, The referees, I want the referee association to come out and say, what is a proper reaction time? I know it's subjective, but we can't do like the Iowa match. The Iowa match was like 0.25 seconds. It was a quarter second and they were already rewarding Iowa guys with takedowns. But then you go to this match right here and it's like, it took Davison three, two or three seconds to grab that leg and then they don't give points to Bastida. It makes yeah. zero sense. Yeah, I agree. Just cause, just cause the wrestler is moving does not mean they are being controlled. So, uh, that's, I think that's going to be the next X to grind that college wrestling fans have. I'm not sure how it's going to be addressed. And, uh, frankly, I'm kind of afraid of how they would address it because, uh, a lot of the, I've been happy about the three point takedown, but there's some rule changes, uh, that just do not go well when the collegiate rules, uh, try to tweak things. So, I guess we'll just have to cross our fingers there, but younger Bastida, yeah, his strength, he answered everything about if he's strong enough to compete with heavyweights in that match, the way he just tossed Davison around, he answered, uh, some of his mat wrestling stuff. Uh, he gets the reversal in this match. Um, you know, there's still, uh, he's not an elite mat wrestler. Younger Bastida is not, but he's solid. Um, you know, it's, it's not something you worry about like you worry about with Etchemendia and, uh, the only thing for younger is the top two wrestlers at this weight in the country are elite top wrestlers. So uh, if that's the case in those matchups, maybe you don't choose bottom against them, but no, no, they don't. I think anybody would be stupid to choose bottom against those guys. So it's not necessarily because we are a liability down there. No, I, uh, he answered so many questions, including getting the escapes, getting the switches, getting, 
you know, he doesn't have to be an elite bottom wrestler, but what he does need to be because these heavyweights have not seen a younger Bastida. The only person that they've seen is maybe, maybe like you said, the two elite wrestlers being good or uh, neutral wrestlers. A Kirk Fleet and Hendrickson are good. I don't, I don't know if they're as good as younger is in neutral. That's what I mean. So younger has this, uh, uh, advantage and he does not have to be on bottom like if he can't he doesn't have to be on bottom he he could win him he could do a lot yeah absolutely so uh gonna be really exciting to see the rest of younger bastida's season the cyclones are off until the collegiate duels on monday december 18th that is right they are wrestling that holiday tournament on a monday uh, but there will be fun ones for Iowa State. They get pit for the first time this season. They'll see Little Rock, who is a top 25 team, top 30 team this season. And they'll see Cornell, who is a top five dual team. Uh, even though Iowa State beat them at this tournament, uh, it's going to be a, a, an incredible duel. Once again, a repeat of last year's duel of the year. Oh, yeah. I cannot wait. And we don't have to shuffle people. That's yeah. the great part. <laughs> as long as nobody gets hurt, we won't have to do a triple bump, which would be great. Uh, I do want to highlight a couple things from the Doan Open. Iowa State sent some guys to, uh, starting with actually someone Iowa State did not send, but they had a commit in Adrian Meza who wrestled at 133 and took third there. So Iowa State's really excited about that, uh, commit, uh, that lightweight commitment from Meza. He's a kid out of Arizona. 141, Jacob Frost reached the finals and, uh, lost a tight 10 8 match in the finals to Kyler Larkin, who's, uh, top 25 guy in the class of 24 and an Arizona state commit. And then here's where it gets interesting. Uh, Panero Johnson was back on the mat wrestling unattached because that's all he could do as a result of the gambling situation this year. Uh, Panero gets a tech fall in the finals over his teammate, Jason Kreiser, 20 to five. So, uh, seems like Panero, uh, he's, he's still got it. You, you can stop a man from competing for his team, but you can't stop a man from being really freaking good at wrestling. Um, if we only had, oh my gosh, that would be even more of a nightmare. Think about that. You've got Echemendia, you've got Swiderski, you got Chittam, and then you put Panero Johnson in there. Like, imagine if Panero actually had to, like, came back in, he was eligible to wrestle. Yeah. What, what do you do at that point? Like, yeah, I don't I, think that gives me a headache thinking about what the staff is going to do to, keep all those guys here and happy. They do have some red shirts to work with, but. Uh, well, you got to remember David Carr, this is his last year. So Chittam yep. could move up and then Panero could get to 157. There you go. You've got your lineup and it's almost like nothing ever happened. I mean, yes, you lose. Uh, okay. Let me back up. David Carr is the best man we've ever had. <laughs> Sorry, David. But like what I'm saying is, is we won't have such a bad loss. We'll yeah. have great talent coming. Well, and that's the thing. It gets interesting there too. Cause I mean, this wasn't the toughest open in the world, but Connor Uten at 165 tech fall his way through it. So we've got talent up and down the lineup, uh, but especially in those middleweights, uh, a couple other interesting things. Nate Scone won it at heavyweight. Sounds like he is going to be wrestling unattached this year, uh, for similar reasons to Panero Johnson and at 197. Uh, Broderson probably going to be the guy. Well, we already thought he was probably going to be the guy, but, uh, there have been 
talks of a wrestle off at some point. I'd say probably not right now because Nanobi Escusa medical forfeited out of this tournament. We'll see what the future holds. If there's any weight that's not settled, say maybe 197 and maybe 125 if Kaisen continues to slide. But I think they're going to want to uh, just find a way to get Kaisen back because when Kaisen is on, he is a top five guy in the country. Yeah, he's got to, the staff's got to figure something out. They've got to, I'd say the two highlights that they need to figure out MJ Gaetan's going to be good. Uh, Chittam's going to be good. He's a true freshman. Like, no worries. Kyson Terakina and Julian Broderson. You got to shore those guys up, figure out what's going on, and get them back on track because I just, I feel like there's more potential with them. They just need to figure something out. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, do want to end back on a positive note. Of course, Iowa State, your CKLV champions, and up to, um, I think they were fifth in the flow wrestling rankings and certainly within striking distance of that third place trophy. So, uh, the team is putting stuff together and that's without Chittum making a run that we know he can. That's without Kyson Terrakina being the guy that we know he can. So, uh, really exciting stuff here for your Iowa State Cyclones where in the past we were more of a dual team than tournament team. Uh, we're a very good dual team this year, but we may also be a very good tournament team, which, uh, I'm really excited to see because that's how you end the season. And that's what, uh, I think about all off season is how we did at those two tournaments at the end of the year. Yeah. I think we have a great chance to make a really good run at nationals. I mean, if, if we get all of our guys in there or most of our guys in there, we can make a great run. Well, we won't catch Penn. Penn, Penn State is just Penn State. Like, mm-hmm. but like top five, top 10. I think that's doable. We better be top 10 because it has not happened yet in the dresser era. I think another thing that would be fun would be beating, beating Virginia Tech because I would say has not outplaced Virginia Tech since Kevin Dresser left. And frankly, we should be the better program. We have way more tradition and prestige. Um, it's time. It's time for Iowa State to start doing those things. And if they can knock down the door and grab a trophy, that would be an incredible finish to uh, the careers of guys like David Carr. So uh, there's a lot of optimism for that after the performance this team put together out in Vegas. Absolutely. All right. Uh, that's all we have for you guys this week. Next week, we'll be back to preview the collegiate duels down there in Nashville. and. All we have left to say is go Cyclones. Yeah, go Cyclones. Thanks for listening.